Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's uh, Cyber Church broadcast, where we are going to church with the whole world. You know, I say this quite often because there are so many new people that join us every week that we are broadcasting in every nation in the world on multiple platforms. I am telling you, I'm so thankful to God for what for this technology. Now, I know most of this technology that's out now, just like all technology in the past, uh, it's, it's being used for evil, but you know something, just because it's being used for evil does not mean we cannot use it for incredibly good and beneficial things. So, you know, I'm starting a new series this week, and the name of the series is Always Above, Never Beneath, The Biblical Secret to Always Winning. Now, I'm telling you what, I am convinced that we live lives that are so beneath God's plan and God's intention for us. Now, people ask me all the time, it's like, well, well, well if, if this is what God wants for us, why isn't it happening? Well, that's like saying, you know, somebody put a million dollars in a bank account in my name. Uh, how come I don't have it? But you've never actually written a check on it. You've never actually... Uh, withdrawn anything from it. Anything God gives us, I were part of this arrangement, our relationship with Him. He gives us something free. We decide if we trust Him, if we believe it, and if we do believe it, then that's called faith. So if we believe it, we're not trying to make it happen. We're not trying to get it. We're not trying to create it. We are just believing what God has offered, what God is giving to us. And so uh, so we then, our responsibility is to establish this in our hearts. And by the way, we've got all kinds of incredible uh, material to help you learn how to write the Word of God on your heart. Matter of fact, we have a program that was uh, decades in the making that is incredibly powerful called Heart Physics. And it actually helps you establish your heart in a way that you can hear and recognize the voice of God in your heart and distinguish it from your own voice, from your own thoughts, from your own opinions. So I'm going to tell you something. When you can do that and you trust the voice of God, I got news for you. Your life will never, 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 ever, ever, ever be the same. Now, I want to talk to you first about understanding normal. Everyone has a sense of normal. Now, our sense of what is normal could be, could be explained several ways. You know, we're talking about what do I accept? What, uh, how do I think life is supposed to be? In other words, what is my world paradigm? That is my sense of normal. Now, Whatever my world paradigm is, uh, is developed totally, or not totally, well, actually it is, yeah, it's developed from how I see myself. So all of us grow up in environments, and, you know, we could go into all kinds of psychology, biblical psychology, if you will, about the families that we grow up in, and, and you know, for example, I grew up in a very poor family, 
And, you know, for me, it was very rare in any given school year that, that I had two pair of blue jeans. You know, many years I just had one pair of blue jeans. And, you know, you wore them all week at the end of the week. You, you washed them and, and you put them back on. And, uh, you know, have two or three shirts and, 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 you know, one pair of shoes. Usually they were hand-me-down shoes with, that had holes in them. But, uh, but you know what? That was my normal. So when you grow up in something and you see something every single day, then the truth is at some point in time, in order for you to not drive yourself crazy, your mind actually helps you adjust and accept this as a standard for being normal. And sometimes that's the only way many people can survive the, the situations where they grew up. You know, for example, uh, men and women who are raised in abusive family situations, they either run away from it, the pain drives them to run away from it, or, because remember, once, we, once we're faced with stress, God gave us this thing called the nervous system, and it has this mechanism called fight or flight. And so, so you know, we will fight against something, or we will run away from something, but there is a third option, and the third option is we accept it as normal. Now, the sad thing is, once something becomes our normal, then we really tend to become somewhat complacent or apathetic about life. We don't really try to move beyond it because we don't really have a sense of anything being beyond it. Or if there is anything beyond our normal, uh, the question comes into play as to whether or not we believe that we can attain to that or that we, we can reach that or we can get out of this bubble, if you will. Now, I've quoted this scripture thousands of times, and those of you who, are, who have followed me for years, you, you know this by heart. You know what I'm going to talk about. But the book of Proverbs talks about, it says, it says, you should guard your heart because out of your heart flow all of the issues of life. Now, that word issues could and possibly should have just as well been translated as boundaries. The beliefs of our heart, now, your heart, more than anything else, is about what you believe about you, and all of that is always based on what you believe about God. And so, and so once, once our heart accepts something as truth or accepts something as normal, you could say, then basically a boundary is, is developed in our belief systems, and we will not cross that boundary. And in fact, if we attempt to cross that boundary without changing our beliefs, we will self-sabotage so that, so, that, so that we can go back to how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how the world is supposed to function. People who never seem to break out of their life patterns or their life standards or their life values, people who keep repeating the same mistakes and having the same experiences over and over again, um, you know, they can believe they're cursed. They can believe they're doomed. I mean, I've heard everything in the world that you can imagine about what people believe about why things are happening to them. But the real truth is that is the product of the beliefs of their heart. Their heart has established boundaries within a sense of normal. And I'm telling you, it is easy to get out of those boundaries uh, if you change the beliefs of your heart. Most people try to get out of these boundaries by working hard, by making sacrifices, by working too long. They destroy the health. They destroy their marriages. They destroy so many aspects of their life because 
they're trying to get out of this without changing their beliefs. You know, we, we see this not just in relationships. We see this in finances. You know, a friend of mine, man, uh, he, he had a great experience when he read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I haven't read all the book. I have perused it. And if I remember correctly, the basic concept of that book was if you grow up in a family where there is a, a certain uh, established normalcy for success and for prosperity and that sort of thing, that the children who grow up, grow up in those families will also uh, be able to move into success and prosperity much easier than children who grow up in uh, poor families. Now, this is the lie, by the way, that, uh, that secular psychology and, and the world uses to manipulate people is to say, see, that is privilege. And if you grow up like that, then, then you are the problem with the world. And so you're privileged and you are the one that's damaging the world. No, the real truth is you, you are proof that what you learn from your parents uh, is something that once you come to believe it as a normal, it just seems to happen automatically in your life. And I got great news for you. It doesn't matter. You know, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in, in desperate situations. I grew up in violence. I grew up in all, all of these things that, that say that uh, they should hold me back and I should be angry at the world. Well, well really, I looked at successful people and instead of envying them, I looked at them and said, I can do that, uh, you know. And, and I had to develop my beliefs. I had to make a journey. I had, to, I had to get educated, but more than anything, I had to change the beliefs and the expectations in my heart. You know, I had a really close friend back several years ago, and I tell you, he was married to one of the most brutal women. You know, there, there are some, you know, if, if you, I spent years on the streets, and I, you know, I, I lived a pretty rough life. And then after I got saved, a lot of my ministry was reaching out to to people who, you know, did drugs and were criminals. And so that was kind of that was kind of who I dealt with. And, uh, you know, you would see some woman that had grown up as a prostitute. She'd been beaten up a number of times. And, you know, she'd carry a knife or a gun. And, man, she would fight back. And she'd go crazy at the first, at the first thought of a threat on her life. And, uh, and so, you know, you expect that from that person who has grown up in that. But I'll never forget this, this couple. Uh, his wife, I mean, she was violent, she was abusive, she was mean. I mean, I could just go down the list of, of how, how horrible she, she was as a person. And what was interesting, though, was that he, he never thought that was odd. The fact that she would physically attack him, the fact that he would, she would degrade him, she would cuss him out, you know, she would throw fits in public, she would do all kinds of, uh, of crazy things. and. Uh, and he was, he was never really ever very moved by it. And so they start spending some time with uh, uh, Brenda and me. And, uh, you know, over time, by being around us in private, he, he saw that we didn't ever cuss each other out. We didn't ever throw fits. We didn't ever get physical, uh, you know, with each other. And so we began to talk about it. And, and you know, he grew up in that. And so he thought every marriage was that way. He thought every marriage was like his. And so this was normal. So you just accept it. You just bite the bullet and live with it. Well, I got news for you. God doesn't want you to just bite the bullet and accept abuse. He doesn't want you to bite the bullet and accept failure. He doesn't want you to bite the bullet 
and, and accept a life that is less than what he has given you through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this message today, this first message in this series is called, is called What's Your Normal? And once you identify what your normal is, which is not that really hard to identify, you look around and go, okay, what do I live with that really I don't enjoy? Uh, it produces hardship and difficulty in my life. But, you know, I, I never really have tried to do anything about it. I, I, don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to deal with it. So what I want to do is I want to move you from defining and identifying what your normal is to creating a new sense of normal. And, uh, you know, there was a book I read shortly after I got saved, uh, and it was written by a man called Watchman Nee, and it was called The Normal Christian Life. And so The Normal Christian Life, and, and I've talked about this book before. I may have even talked about this, this book in last week's message, but I'm going to repeat this. Uh, Watchman Nee tells this story in this particular book about uh, a time when he was facing sickness. And, uh, and so he was in bed, and he was really, really in bad shape. And so at some point, uh, he read the scripture about how that by the, by the bruising, or the King James says, the stripes of the Lord Jesus, you know, we are healed. And so he said, well, okay, then, if I'm healed, I just need to get up out of bed and go on about life. And so he accepted that as a reality, as a standard that was his, and he got up out of bed and, and walked away healed. And so the whole theme of that book was, we have actually accepted a very subpar, a subnormal life. And we call this normal Christianity because really it's pretty much what the life that everybody lives. And then we look at those people who walk with God, they've got peace, you know, they succeed, they prosper, and all of these kinds of things. And we look at them and say, see, they've got a, an above average Christian life. And so what the Bible calls normal, which is the life that Jesus lived, that's normal. That is the normal life for a person who, who uh, trusts God, who has been born again, who has, been, who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and is yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did, everything that he modeled, that is really the standard. That's the goal that we should be shooting for as far as determining what a normal life is, is going to be about. Now, one of the problems that uh, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, the way the human brain and heart works, and the brain and the heart are not the same thing, uh, but the way that and by the way, the brain works with information. The brain always seeks to validate your ego. Uh, and so the ego is a false sense of identity that is based on our perception that we are right. And so the mind always seeks to prove that we are right. It points out to us everything around us that would validate the fact that we're right. Anything that would prove that we're wrong that the, really the, the mind is going to block out and we're, and we're going to have a hard time actually realizing the information that is there before us, even though, even though it's right in, in our face. And so the problem is, uh, once, we, once we reach an opinion about something, the problem is 
we very rarely get out of it because we would have to admit that we're wrong and our mind wants to support this uh, false sense of self that's born out of our ego and wants us to be always holding on to our previous opinions so that we can feel good about ourselves. Now, the difference in the, in the mind and the heart, the heart is, uh, seeks to always prove and protect uh, your true identity. And so, so uh, the heart doesn't mind if you discover you're wrong because sometimes realizing you're wrong about something makes it possible for you to protect who you believe that you really are. So the issue becomes then, do I know what normal is? Do I know who I am in Jesus? Do I know what God has given me? Do I have a sense of normal? Do I have a worldview? Do I have a, a view of myself that is rooted in the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? And, uh, but now, if I'm not building an identity based on what Jesus has done for me, then the problem is I am building a false sense of identity on my ego, which has always, always, always proved that I'm right. Now, I don't remember the name of the book, but Orwell wrote a book uh, uh, where he talked about uh, language and uh, how that language and terminology is a means of controlling people. You know, for decades in this ministry, I have taught people. I've taught them the thing that I learned the first month or first six weeks that I was a believer, very first church I ever uh, went to, I, I, I was so fortunate. I mean, these people didn't know much about what we call really, really spiritual matters, but, but I'm telling you what, they had the basics down. They understood the very basics. And so my first visit to, uh, to a pastor, uh, I went in. This was an old retired guy that was just filling in. He was an interim pastor until that church was able to find a long-term pastor. And so he says, let me see your Bible, son. And, of course, the only Bible I had was a Gideon's Bible that I'd stolen out of, a, out of a hotel or motel. And I was a little embarrassed, but I handed it over there to him. And he looked at it, and he said, you need to get you a good Bible. And so back in those days, you didn't have all the options for Bibles that you have now. And about the most cutting-edge thing that you could get in 1972 was a Schofield Bible. And so he says, you go buy you a new Schofield Bible, and you use that. And, and you look at every, every footnote, every introduction to every, to every book, you read those and you understand who these were written to. And, you know, he just kind of gave me an education. And then he said something else. He said, now, the Bible was not written in English. Don't ever look up a word in a Webster's Dictionary because it wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. So he reaches over and he pulls out a, a concordance all, all, or a lexicon off of his shelf. And it wasn't a very good lexicon. Because young, it was called Young's Analytical Concordance, I think is what it was called. And um, again, we didn't have all the Greek and Hebrew and language tools that are so available to us today. And so he showed me how to use a, concord, a concordance to look up a words and discover the original meanings of words. And he says, he says you know, if you can't see it in the original language, uh, don't buy into the definition that somebody's trying to give you. Well, what I have come to realize since and what we're seeing in the world around us now, whenever, whenever governments and 
religious leaders and cult leaders, you know, when, when, all these, when all these people start trying to control you, one of the things they always want to control is your language. They want to control your terminology. They want to control the definitions. And so by controlling the language and by shaping our definitions of words, the truth is we lose the meaning of certain words. And when we lose those meanings of those words, then, then whoever it is that's trying to take over our life gives us the definition that they want us to have. And I'm telling you, it doesn't take very long of, of thinking on that definition or, or thinking about that definition when you're using words. It doesn't take very long to do that. And then suddenly you have redefined a word, which means you have redefined a belief in your heart. And the real truth is you have probably limited yourself. One of the greatest examples of this, and those, again, those who have, who have been with me for years, they know this. But, you know, the Greek word for saved or salvation is sozo. And the word sozo, uh, or let me put it this way, we have defined salvation as getting your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven. That's pretty much, that's pretty much what we have reduced it down to. I say we, you know, I didn't do that. You didn't do that. Religious leaders did that over the years. Because stop and think about it. If you were a religious leader and, and it was believed that you should minister to people the way that Jesus ministered to people, and you were so carnal and ungodly and, and so full of doubt, fear, and unbelief that you, know, that you couldn't do that, then you have to find a way to justify to the people because you'll lose control of the people. They will stop following you if you're not meeting up to these biblical expectations. So what do they do? Well, you got to remember, for, you know, for hundreds of years, the Bible was not even translated into English. You know, the Catholic Church did not want the Bible translated into English. They did not want the Bible reading, but they didn't want the believers reading the Bible for themselves. They wanted to tell people what they were supposed to believe. They wanted to tell people what the words in the Bible meant. So basically, they hijacked people's faith uh, not just because not just because they took the Bible away from them, but they hijacked people's faith by creating definitions that were really not based on what the the Word of God says. And so, the word sozo and the Word of God doesn't mean just getting born again and going to heaven. Sozo means to be saved, healed, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole. In other words. The word saved in the Bible means that you are experiencing or that you have been given all of the benefits of the new covenant. You have been given everything that Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and received in his inheritance with God. Every promise of God, is, and as you've heard me say in 2 Corinthians one twenty, every promise that God has ever made to anyone is yes for you if you're in Jesus. That's what qualifies you. Now that's, that's not what religion tells you. Now I don't want to get I don't want to get too far off the track here and talking about legalism and all all that kind of stuff. But I just want you to know that most of the terminology that I hear Christians using is so biblically incorrect. Now it doesn't bother me. It's not about being right and wrong. It's not it's not who's right about the the definitions. It's about the fact that whenever we start redefining words then 
eventually that reshapes our beliefs, but it also reshapes our sense of normal. I remember uh, I hadn't been saved very long, and so I wanted to go out, and uh, our church had a Monday night visitation program, and, and we would go out and, you know, meet the visitors that had come to our church, but one of the big things we wanted to do is we wanted to uh, lead them to Jesus. If, if we went and they, they didn't know the Lord, we'd, we'd try to lead them to Jesus. And so I went out with the pastor quite often, and uh, one night we got, a, we got a call that one of the ladies in our church had cancer. And so we were, the pastor and I were going to go over and visit her and pray with her. So on the way over there, I said, what are you going to do if we get over there? And she says she wants us to pray for her to be healed. I mean, and I, you know, I was just looking for uh, an honest answer. And, and he was a good man. I am t- I mean, I'm not trying to criticize him or put him down. But, you know, he got this real serious look on his face, you know, the theological look on his face. And he says, well, first we'll need to pray and see if it's the will of God to heal her. And man, I'm telling you what, that troubled me. That deeply troubled me. Because just stop and think about it. Uh, how am I going, if I'm praying if it's the will of God, how am I going to know if it's the will of God? What do I do with scriptures where it says, you know, that, that saves Mean, saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart, all kinds of stuff. What do I do with scripture that says, by his stripes you have been healed? What do I do with that? And what do I do with the model that Jesus said, you know, this is the way you minister to people, this is the way you help people, and he showed us exactly how you. What do you do with all of that if on every, in every case you're just trying to figure out if it's the will of God? And so then when you don't pray for people or when you don't believe they can get healed and they die, then you say, well, see, it was the will of God, so we've got to always find out if it, was, if it was the will of God. Now, I want to take you on a journey, and it's not going to be trite, and it's going to be pretty deep. It's going to be pretty challenging. By the way, if you haven't listened to last week's Cyber Church program, I'd like for you to go back and listen to it. It was the, it was the last in our series uh, on heaven on earth, but I want you to know even what I'm doing now actually fits into the heaven on earth concept, and we're going to be moving there. But I'd like for you to go back and listen to that, because... We are going to be taking a journey through the Word of God. We're going to be looking at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and we're going to determine what we can understand the will of God is for our lives. And we're going to decide whether or not we believe that the normal that God, or let me put it this way, or the truth that God calls our normal really is truth, and if it really is our normal. You know, when you, when you, when you look at us, and by the way, this comes from the scripture. God says, you can always be above, never beneath. You can always be the head, you'll never be the tail. You can always uh, lend and never have to borrow. And just, it just in Deuteronomy 28, all those promises are yes for us because we're in Jesus. But my question is this, when you hear those scriptures, how does it make you feel? What do you start thinking? You start saying, well, that's, that's, not, how, that's not how my life is going. Well, and so, so, are we defining the normal Christian life based on how God has identified it, or are we defining the normal Christian life based on our circumstances, our situations? Listen, if you've got friends that you know have been struggling for years and years and years, send them this link to this program. Uh, and you know, get them to join you. As a matter of fact, you know, you might want to you might want to have an eye group there at your house. Get people together 
and listen to these programs and discuss them afterwards. But be sure and share these with other people because that's the deal. We want to help you, but we want to help you to help your friends, your other, other people in your lives that you love and appreciate so much. All right, be talking to you again next week. Blessings. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.